0: The following podcast represents the perspectives of the host and our guests. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent those of our places of work.
1: Welcome to Parcels of Info, NDC's most efficient way to deliver parcels of valuable info to the healthcare supply chain. I'm your host today, Ian Fardy, and joining me is Tom Kosler. A new segment we're toying with is called The Start of the Story." We'll be talking with manufacturers, distributors, and even some individuals from time to time about how their story in our industry got started. Many of you know about the Pulse Oximeter, but do you know the start of the story? Tom, thanks for being with us today.
0: Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Uh, Happy to talk about
1: the Nonin story. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get right in. Let's get started with the journey. I think we have to go back all the way to the mid-1980s when Nonin was founded. Take us back there and tell us a little bit about the start. Yeah,
0: so it's a very interesting story. Um, going back, and I'm fortunate enough that our founder uh, is still involved with the company every single day, and so I've heard the story in a variety of different ways. But I went back to him and said, "Okay, um, you know, give me give me your version of that story." And so it really started out back in the '80s. Pulse oximetry was a relatively new. There were a couple of companies that were making uh, very large devices that were boxes in excess of a couple feet by a couple feet uh, in size. And Phil Isaacson, our founder, and another partner were working for a, an apnea company that was trying to develop uh, develop a device that would um, notify if babies stop breathing to avoid SIDS or something, sudden infant.
1: Yep, sudden infant death syndrome, right? Sudden infant death syndrome. And the pulse oximeter measures what? Just so we bring all of our listeners up to speed.
0: Yeah, so the idea of pulse oximetry or bringing pulse oximetry into that apnea monitor would be indicating on what the oxygen level in the blood of those particular babies, and they thought that might be useful. So pulse oximetry uses near-infrared light to monitor the amount of oxygen that is in the blood. So it can tell you whether or not you're breathing or providing
1: good oxygen into your blood. Gotcha, sorry. So I just wanted to bring all our listeners up to speed. Uh, you know, sometimes we throw around acronyms and terms and and uh, that's why I'm here because I don't know anything and I get to ask those questions.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. So, so Phil and, and one of his partners were working on a project for that company to, to bring pulse oximetry. Ultimately, that company decided that pulse oximetry is not what they wanted to incorporate in that. So Phil and his partner, still interested in proving the concept, literally went down to what we some of us may remember as Radio Shack.
1: And were able <laughs> Absolutely.
0: To, were able to buy, and back then it was inventors and electronic components, and they were able to buy some... LED lights and and prove the concept that they could actually shine light through a finger, measure what came out the other side, and that's the start of what pulse oximetry. And once they proved that, they decided to go out on their own. Um, They actually designed a device, submitted for FDA approval. Unbeknownst to me back then, the FDA actually gave them approval of the device before they actually had a working prototype. Now, the reality of it is, is the device that they ultimately produced did everything that the FDA submission did. So they had to still comply exactly, and it did. But in 1986, they came out with their first pulse oximeter, which took that box that I discussed was like two by two or more into a tabletop version that was merely six or eight inches by maybe a foot wide. And that became the first version of the non-pulse in oximeter.
1: So, uh, again, for the listeners, if we fast forward, we are going to continue with the story. But if we fast forward, how prevalent is pulse oximetry in healthcare today?
0: So pulse oximetry is basically one of the main measurements that you do when you go to a doctor. You put your finger into a clip sensor. They look and see... Everyone knows that if I read 90% or above, that's yep. typically good. I've got plenty of oxygen in my blood. It's monitored in every surgery. It's monitored. And in, in when you go to the hospital, many times you will have that monitor on. It's used in home care. Most prevalent we may know now is with COVID being present over the last few years, it was a good measure of how sick you were, whether or not you were able to still get oxygen as you were suffering from you know, COVID induced
1: uh, pneumonia and things like that. So here's one of the most, I don't want to say basic, but it's it's literally one of the most used pieces in patient monitoring. And these guys built it at Radio Shack. What, you know, I was about to say 20 years ago, but I get that wrong all the time. (laughs) Nothing is ever 20 years ago anymore. But it, it's unbelievable to me how these, these, you know, short of the word genius, they go to Radio Shack, they buy the equipment. And today, not only is non used across the globe, but others are using it across the globe. Others are, you know, essentially making your competitors and stuff. But here is something made from Radio Shack back in the 80s, and it's now, you know... One of the key pieces of patient monitoring.
0: Yeah, and what's what's really interesting about that is is that was 35, you know more than 35 years ago, 1986, when that started. The interesting part is Phil Isaacson is still involved. Um, he's involved every day. He's our chief technology officer. He's involved in all of our new looking at new technology. One of his passions is using light to shine it through substances and determine what's going through. So he's been able to expand that at at points. We now have a device that does carbon monoxide monitoring for patients that we can put this a similar clip sensor on the finger. He's been able to do that to detect carbon monoxide. So if your furnace was bad and you started feeling flu-like symptoms, they put the clip on and determine whether or not you have carbon monoxide in your blood, which can be Come poisonous and dangerous. Absolutely, yeah. Came with firefighters, so he's done that. He's moved it into cerebral oximetry, which is a device we use in the operating room to monitor cerebral perfusion or or the amount of oxygen getting to your brain So when they're doing open-heart surgery. So he's taken that knowledge of light and moved it through a variety of different products.
1: That's unbelievable. So I've heard, I know I've never done it, but I've heard uh, people might mispronounce nonin, uh, but tell us how nonin got its name for those who who you know it's a, it's a unique name of a company tell us the story behind that
0: absolutely and and you're at, correct most people say noonan or, or something of that grain and there's one really simple way and it was a very simple parameter as soon as I say this that uh, that Phil came up with a name and his partners came up with a name and that's it's nonin which is short for non-invasive Everything that our organization does is non-invasive medical monitoring. We use light that does not, you know, we we don't do needle sticks or anything like that. We use light to non-invasively monitor parameters in patients.
1: Got it. And the funny part of that story is when we did our first take, and I usually only do one take, I pronounced it wrong. So I call myself out on that. So you you mentioned Phil is still um, Phil Isaacson still involved with the company, still um, coming into the office, still um, uh, innovating the product. Um, how else is Phil involved? How, how else does Phil guide or, or what role is Phil involved in? Uh, sort, is he day to day?
0: Yeah, so what's interesting about um, Nanan is it started out with he and uh, ultimately it ended up being three partners um uh, as they got the company up and running together through the course of the 90s many of those partners decided they no longer wanted to be involved Phil obviously did and ultimately bought those out so the company is held in it's it's a single owner company or its owned within uh the environment he's set up but he is that owner of the company we we don't have uh, you know outside stockholders or investors yeah. or things like that so Phil is uh the chairman of the board He is the chief technology officer. Um, He is in the office on a daily basis. Uh, If you walk by, he's probably looking at some study or looking at some way to improve. One of the things that's interesting is there's been a lot of discussion over the last year, year and a half about some studies that have come out with pulse oximetry and whether or not they are accurate against uh, all different skin colors or patients of all colors and races. Right. Right. And one of the things that Phil and his mantra, and, and as the developers of this device said, is we want this to work on all patients. And and I don't necessarily like this phrase, but it, it works from cradle to grave and healthy or sick. You know, it, it kind of covers yeah. the gamut of patients that we can't. And so anytime that we hear that a device may have, have, had trouble in a certain scenario or not worked as quickly as someone may have liked. He constantly has evolved the algorithms and the the thinking behind the electronics that allows this device to work on that. We've proven, in fact, we have studies back even in the early 2000s that show that our devices treat all patients equally. We have accuracy claims with our technology for patients with poor circulation, so you don't have to worry at the age you get poor circulation, you can still get good readings in their fingers. We have accuracy in motion if someone's walking around the hospital and being ambulatory, or they need to do a six minute walk test, or they're doing cardiac rehab and they wanna make sure their oxygen levels are staying high, even though they're walking on a treadmill, Phil makes sure that our technology works in all those different areas. And that's, that's he's the kind of the brains and, and does a lot of that. Um, you know, fine tuning and, and work behind it as well.
1: I love it, I, and I got a follow up question to that, but I want to understand a little bit more about PureSat. Um, so, when we're talking about PureSat and the technology, there's other applications associated with the the PureSat technology, correct?
0: Yeah. Well, so PureSat is is our brand of pulse oximetry. It's what we do. It's it's the it's the brains the secret sauce of non-impulse oximetry per se so pure sat we use very specific leds pure light we call it pure light those very specific leds we know exactly how um, the skin and blood and different parameters absorb those very distinct uh wavelengths of light and so that allows us to be very accurate with our detection of, of true uh, pulse ox readings within those patients. So that's really where Pure Light is. What that's moved on, and we talked briefly about getting into the first uh, tabletop oximeter. Where that's evolved with our technology is Phil in 1990 came out with the first handheld pulse oximeter, which was truly portable. One of the parameters for that device is it needed to fit in the pocket of his shirt because he believed if it was that portable nurses and doctors could carry it around a facility and have it at the ready when they suspected or needed to check blood oxygen levels. Um, He's moved that in um, later on in that technology or in the mid nineties, they came out with and he's the original patent holder of the first fingertip oximeter. And the first fingertip oximeter is one that you can see now. Uh, There are many varieties of that now that the patents are off that you can buy in stores and things like that. We offer medical grade fingertip oximeters that provide this our devices provide the same level of accuracy as any of the 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 bigger devices but being able to do it on a on a fingertip that allows people to do it that way so we now have sensors that fit from kids from newborns all the way to adults and, and everything in between so that we can monitor them at home we can monitor them in the hospital we can monitor them sleep environments we have involved in EMS agencies, physician office, kind of covers the gamut.
1: Unbelievable.
0: We even have a few sensors for, for your pets as well in the veterinary market.
1: Damn. So this technology now, it's available in all pulse oximetry? It's, the PureSat technology
0: is available in non-in technology.
1: Um, there are- Only in non So this innovative technology that is so widely used in patient care is is still proprietary to Nonin.
0: Yeah, and there are others. And sure. I, I don't want to make uh, us exclusive. As much as I'm, I'm proud of Nonin and what we do, there are other companies that are using different ways to do pulse. Sure. Products, similar ways, but our everything I've talked about, our accuracy claims and things like yeah. that are, are specific to
1: Nonin products. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret that your accuracy claim is is leading the industry, um, which was kind of why I wanted to understand: is this is this pulse oximetry accuracy? But no, it's not. It is non-inaccuracy in all these points of care, in all these skin pigmentations, uh, from patient to pet.
0: Yeah, and now the FDA, um, the way we look at is we follow with the FDA gives us indications for use and the FDA gives us claims that we can make. And so for our pulse oximetry, we do have claims of accuracy down to certain saturation levels. We have accuracy claims within motion patients we have to do testing to prove that we have accuracy uh, in patients with low or poor circulation those have all been proven and signed off by the fda so um, that's truly what makes us a medical you know a medical grade device that doctors have learned to trust and and one of the things we hear from many doctors and respiratory therapists where is one of the most common users of these technologies is that if you can't get a reading on non you're probably not going
1: to get a pulse ox reading for whatever reason that, that right. they, they have that level of trust. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're coming up on, on the, I'm blown away at, you know, the, the, just the share genius and innovation and growth, but what's next? What's next for non and anything on the horizon you can tell us, I don't want any secrets, but anything you can tell us that's coming down?
0: Well, I, I I think at this point, as we're continuing to to look at the markets and what the needs of the markets are, um, there's no secret that Nanon has very low power usage. Um, you know, our our fingertip oximeter does six thousand. You can do six thousand readings on a couple of AAA batteries, um, and so the market is demanding looking at uh, easier ways to utilize these devices, and we're continuing to explore what. What customers are asking for and what we can do to help further. You know, we know patients are being more monitored at home. We know there's more and more use for pulse oximetry with some of these patients from long COVID and things like that. So I think we're really looking at what the next the next usage is and if there are other parameters that might be useful that we can we can
1: detect through uh, non-invasive uh, light transmission. I love it. You know, I, I often I've I've worked with so many manufacturers in, in my years in healthcare, going on cheaper is almost thirty, and I am still to this day blown away that a man with a vision and a shopping cart can walk into Radio Shack and save lives. It is just mind blowing to me the journey that these these brilliant brilliant people uh you know went on to ensure that others were were looked after it, and it's across all manufacturers you know I, cotton swabs to cat scans there's there's leaders in all and there's no doubt non is truly a leader in this so, so tom thank you so much for taking some time today sharing the story it's unbelievable everyone sees it you see it online you see it everywhere But uh, to our listeners, now you know the start of the story. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.